Hello and welcome back to the adventures of Lola Badiola. In the last episode, Lola and her team interrupted the meeting being held in the boardroom of Texpania and Park J. Bong started to hack their systems. Why did he do this? What was his objective? In this episode, we're going to find out. So here we go. The Adventures of Lola Badiola Chapter 56 The Hack Lola sat on one side of the Maplewood conference table and faced her five opponents. The two lawyers looked back at her with disdain, as if she were a little girl interfering with her big brother's birthday party. Luis Brunia and Cayetano Tolosa shifted in their chairs. They had reason to feel uncomfortable considering the way they had treated Lola in the recent past. In the middle of the group was Mario Ruiz de Velasco, his green eyes fixed firmly on the only woman in the room, like laser sights on a rifle. So, what is this new information, Miss Badiola? he asked. Lola's throat was dry from the air conditioning and the tension. She reached forward, picked up a jug of water and poured herself a drink. It was a bad idea. Her shaking hands revealed to everyone in the room how nervous she was. She took a deep but imperceptible breath to calm herself, then stared back at Ruiz de Belasco. In this life-or-death moment, all of her senses were heightened, and time seemed to slow down almost to a stop. She could feel the cool air entering the room from the vents above them. She could smell the remnants of the coffee in the cups of the lawyers, and she could hear somebody's leg twitching nervously beneath the conference table. She regarded Mario Ruiz de Belasco very closely. She noticed how cleanly shaven his skin was, how perfectly symmetrical his eyebrows were. There was not a single strand of hair out of place, not a single imperfection in his presentation. He looked like a movie star. He looked like a Spanish version of Richard Gere. Well, what's this new information? Ruiz de Belasco repeated. You are greatly undervaluing J-Block. Ruiz de Belasco smiled patronizingly. Our offer is extremely generous, all things considered, and your boss, Mr. Thompson, agrees with us. Six euros a share doesn't come close to the true value. The lawyers murmured their disapproval. Cayetano shook his head and snorted, but Ruiz de Belasco remained unemotional. He leaned forward, putting his hands on the table, palms facing upwards. Miss Badiola, or may I call you Lola? Lola recognized the negotiation tactic. If she allowed him to call her by her first name, it would be a concession, a sign of weakness. If she refused, it would appear confrontational, also a sign of weakness. So, she didn't react. Ruiz de Velasco continued regardless. Lola, let me explain something to you. It is very difficult to put a value on a technology company particularly one like J-Block that has no profits, no revenues, and no clients. It could be worth something, it could be worth nothing, or it could be worth 
less than nothing. Our offer recognizes the potential of the company, the potential for clients, revenues, and profits, and on that basis it's extremely generous. You see, without us, J Block is worthless. Without us, J Block cannot get a foothold in the cybersecurity market. Only with us can this potential be realized. Only with us can revenue synergies be exploited and shareholder value created. You may not understand this, Lola, but your boss does. Ruiz de Belasco received a text message. He read it, and then he turned back to Lola. The board of directors are on their way up. We really need to finish proofreading these documents, so I'd kindly ask you and your little friends to leave the conference room. In response to Ruiz de Belasco's condescension, Lola decided it was time to reveal the first ace that she had up her sleeve. Thank you for the lesson in finance, Mr. Ruiz de Belasco. I completely agree with your analysis of the situation, apart from one fundamental difference. Really? And what is that? J. Block does have a foothold in the cybersecurity market. It does have its first client. And this client is a whale. There were confused looks from the businessmen on both sides of the table. J. Block has no clients, Lola. I can assure you of that. As a matter of fact, it does. Who? You. There was a moment's silence, and then the men sitting opposite reacted in their own peculiar way. Cayetano laughed at the ridiculousness of the suggestion. The lawyers complained about their time being wasted, and Ruiz de Belasco instructed Luis Brunia to call the security guards back into the conference room. Lola stood up from her chair, walked over to where Park was sitting, and whispered something into his ear. Then she said in a loud voice, You are vulnerable, Tech Spania, and you need our technology to protect you. The five men sitting opposite stopped what they were doing and looked up at her. What are you talking about? Lola clicked her fingers, and the lights in the room went out. The air conditioning system stopped functioning, and the coffee machine switched off. What's going on? Lola didn't respond. She wanted the effects of her actions to sink in like a magician allowing her audience to absorb a particularly astounding trick. One by one, Tolosa, Brunya, and Ruiz de Belasco received calls on their mobiles from their respective deputies, telling them that all power had been lost and asking what should be done next. The door of the conference room burst open and one of the receptionists from the 51st floor rushed in, a look of panic on her face. The board of directors, she blurted out. The board of directors are trapped in the elevator. There was only one person who knew the next move. That person was Lola Badiola. She sat back down in her chair and calmly repeated her earlier statement. You are vulnerable, Texpania, and you need our technology to protect you.
So now we are starting to see Lola's plan in action. How will Ruiz de Velasco and the team from Texpania respond to this unexpected situation? We will find out in the next episode. But right now, let's do some business English, and we'll start with some advanced vocabulary. Have a listen to this again. Lola sat on one side of the Maplewood conference table and faced her five opponents. The two lawyers looked back at her with disdain, as if she were a little girl interfering with her big brother's birthday party. Disdain is a noun. Disdainful is an adjective. It is the feeling that someone or something is not worthy of your attention or your respect. If you treat someone with disdain, as the two lawyers do to Lola, you treat them with contempt, as if they are inferior to you. You might know the feeling when someone at work treats you with disdain. It happens to us from time to time. It's quite unpleasant. And it happens particularly when you are new to a company or when you are junior and you have yet to win the respect of your colleagues. In these situations, you need to stand up for yourself, believe in yourself, have confidence that you are just as worthy of respect as any other person in the company, and ignore those people. Don't lose sleep over it. They don't deserve your attention or your time. Okay, let's continue with this theme. Listen to this. You are greatly undervaluing J-Block. Ruiz de Velasco smiled patronizingly. Our offer is extremely generous, all things considered. To patronize or in U.S. English, to patronize, is a really interesting verb. It is to treat someone in a way that is apparently kind and helpful, but that betrays a feeling or a sense of superiority that you have over that person. So the word patronize comes from the Latin patronus, protector or master, and it's related to pater, which means father. So if you patronize a person, you talk to them like you are their master and they are your apprentice. You talk to them like you are their father and they are your child. And that is exactly what Mario Ruiz de Velasco does in this situation. He is explaining things to Lola as if she doesn't understand them, when in reality she knows exactly what he's talking about. And there is a modern and related term that has become very popular in discussions about gender equality in the workplace. And the term is mansplaining, which is like a contraction of man explaining something to a woman when she already understands the concepts. It is a patronizing way that some men treat women in the workplace. And it occurs when an explanation is unsolicited. When a man underestimates the competence of a woman. And where there is an unconscious bias. 
as a woman, have you ever had someone mansplain something to you? Have you ever been patronized by a male co-worker? As a man, have you ever been accused of mansplaining? Of course, the vast majority of explanations that people give each other in the workplace, regardless of gender, are done in good faith. Intentions are good. They simply want to help. So we have to make sure that we don't accuse somebody of mansplaining when they were actually just trying to be genuinely helpful. Also bear in mind that it's quite possible for a woman to do the mansplaining in the workplace, to be patronizing, to be disdainful. But as I said before, this is the exception. And most of the time, we explain things to each other to help each other. So let's continue with this theme by analyzing the following sentence. In the middle of the group was Mario Ruiz de Velasco, his green eyes fixed firmly on the only woman in the room, like laser sights on a rifle. The only woman in the boardroom. This is a lot less common than it used to be. In fact, for one of our business English classes, I did an analysis of the composition of the board of directors at large multinational companies back in 1990 versus the composition in 2023. 30 years ago, most boardrooms were made up almost entirely of old white men. Nowadays, there is a very healthy mix of ages, genders and races. It might not be perfect, but a lot of progress has been made. I was reading a book called Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, the COO of Facebook, I've mentioned this book previously on a previous podcast. And she tells the story of being the only woman in the boardroom of a company that she was pitching her business to. She was trying to do a transaction. She was trying to do a deal with this company. And she was the only woman that was there at this very, very high level discussion. And after a couple of hours of intense negotiations, she asked the CEO of the company where the nearest ladies' bathroom was. And he didn't know. He didn't know where the nearest ladies' bathroom was because there were so few women that had ever been in the boardroom of his company. And that's a very interesting anecdote that demonstrates that we still have a lot of work to do to create a more inclusive environment, particularly at the top of big multinational companies, real companies, not just companies like Techspania. Okay, let's move on to a point about public speaking. Have a listen to this again. Lola's throat was dry from the air conditioning and the tension. She reached forward, picked up a jug of water and poured herself a drink. It was a bad idea. Her shaking hands revealed to everyone in the room how nervous she was. When you speak in public, there is an unavoidable physiological response. 
the body releases adrenaline and cortisol because the most ancient part of your brain believes that you are putting yourself in danger and it wants to help you escape the situation. It happens to even the most experienced and confident public speakers who know not only how to handle this physiological response, but also how to use it to enhance their presentation. For an inexperienced public speaker, there are various techniques to help you relax and feel more comfortable. And you can learn and practice these techniques in our public speaking workshops. One very simple piece of advice is as follows. Make sure that you do not hold a single sheet of paper in your hand when you are presenting. If you need to use notes, which is fine, make sure that they are on thick card. Because the adrenaline and the cortisol that is pumping through your system will make your hands shake. It is one of the most obvious manifestations of this physiological response. And if you hold a single sheet of paper in your hands, the shaking will be exaggerated and everyone, including you, will notice. Now in our story, Lola Badiola is clearly nervous about the situation, but she has the courage and the willpower to move forward with her plan despite the danger. Unfortunately, the nervousness that she feels is revealed to all when she picks up the jug of water and tries to pour herself a drink. And that exact situation happened to me when I was a conference panelist in an open discussion about communication in times of crisis. I saw my hand shaking as I poured the water into my cup and I noticed that everybody was looking at my shaking hand. Okay, let's move on to another interesting business concept. Listen to this again. Lola, let me explain something to you. It is very difficult to put a value on a technology company, particularly one like JBlock that has no profits, no revenues, and no clients. It could be worth something, it could be worth nothing, or it could be worth less than nothing. How do you value a company? What is your company worth? What would somebody, another company, pay to acquire your company? These calculations are done by corporate finance departments of investment banks who advise companies on mergers and acquisitions. And in general, they analyze the revenue and the profits of the company, and they make assumptions about the expected growth of those revenues and profits over the coming years. They make a series of assumptions and calculations about future cash flows in order to reach a net present value of the company, which they then compare to other companies in the same industrial sector. 
The valuation process starts with a mathematical approach based on real data and numbers. But what happens when the company has no current positive cash flow? No profits? And maybe even no revenue? For example, how do you calculate the value of a tech startup company? Why did Facebook buy Instagram for $1 billion in 2012? Paying what seemed like a shocking sum for a company with only 13 employees and no revenues. Well, what Facebook did and what other companies in this situation do is they buy the potential revenues of those companies and they consider how those potential revenues can best be realized within their own company. So Instagram now generates at least a quarter of all of Facebook's, or rather Meta's, revenues and is valued at over $100 billion as a separate entity. So it was an extremely astute acquisition at the time, even though people were completely shocked by the valuation of $1 billion. So in one word, potential is the reason that Mario Ruiz de Velasco is willing to pay six euros a share for JBlock. And he explains it this way. You see, without us, JBlock is worthless. Without us, JBlock cannot get a foothold in the cybersecurity market. Only with us can this potential be realized? A foothold is a place where you can safely put your feet, especially when you're climbing. In business, we use it metaphorically to refer to a foothold in the market, a strong or favorable position from which further advances or progress can be made. So in this sentence, Ruiz de Velasco is saying that JBlock cannot get a foothold in the market. It cannot find a place from which it can progress or advance. And then the next thing he says is the following. Only with us can revenue synergies be exploited and shareholder value created. Synergy is an extremely important concept in business, in particular in the world of mergers and acquisitions. Synergy is often the justification for one company taking over another company. And the definition is, is as follows. The combined power of a group of things when they are working together is greater than the total power achieved by each working separately. So let's think about this in terms of a practical example. Have you ever put together some furniture that you've bought from Ikea, or as it's pronounced in most of Europe, Ikea. It's a slow and painful process. And you often get halfway through and then realize you've done something fundamentally wrong and have to start all over again. 
Well, Marina and I have bought several sets of shelves from IKEA or IKEA to put in our children's bedrooms. And the sets of shelves are all exactly the same. Now, if Marina and I work on our own set of shelves individually, we will complete the task of assembling the shelves, let's say in about two hours. Marina always does things slightly quicker than I do because she has incredible spatial intelligence. And in fact, she was a youth champion of the video game Tetris, which definitely helps her when she's putting together IKEA furniture. Right, so that's us working separately on our own individual shelves. If, on the other hand, Marina and I decide to work on one set of shelves together, followed by the second set of shelves together, then we will complete the overall assembly in a much shorter time than two hours. Teamwork results in synergies. We are able to complete the task much quicker when we work together because I can do things that I'm good at and she can do things that she's good at and we can discuss the best approach, exchange ideas and motivate each other. Well, this same principle of synergies applies to companies. In our story, JBlock has the best technology in the market, but does not have a distribution platform. JBlock's finding it very difficult to sell this product. Meanwhile, TechSpania has inferior technology, but the most extensive distribution platform. And the combination of these two companies therefore creates a synergy where the best technology combines with the best distribution platform. When synergies are involved, one plus one doesn't equal two. One plus one equals three. That's synergy. Okay, let's quickly review three common expressions. Here's the first one. In response to Ruiz de Velasco's condescension, Lola decided it was time to reveal the first ace that she had up her sleeve. To have an ace up your sleeve, it's a somewhat self-explanatory expression. So in poker, the ace card is the high card. Someone cheating in the game might literally hold an ace up his sleeve in order to use it at some point to win the, the game. So the expression has evolved into meaning you have secret knowledge or a secret skill that will give you an advantage and you can use that secret skill at the appropriate moment, which is what is happening here in the boardroom. Okay, here's another interesting expression. Thank you for the lesson in finance, Mr. Ruiz de Velasco. I completely agree with your analysis of the situation, apart from one fundamental difference. Really? And what is that? JBlock does have a foothold in the cybersecurity market. It does have its first client. And this client is a whale. Salespeople often use fish metaphors to describe a situation. If you lose a client, one of your colleagues might say to you, 
Don't worry, there are plenty more fish in the sea. If you are going to pitch to an important client, you might say, this is an important meeting because this guy is a big fish. Now in our story, we are talking about a whale. You can probably guess why we're using this term. A whale is a much larger target than usual. It's bigger even than a big fish. A whale is a sales prospect so big that it could make a major difference to your company's business. Okay, let's end today's discussion with an advanced phrasal verb. Here it is. Lola clicked her fingers and the lights in the room went out. The air conditioning system stopped functioning and the coffee machine switched off. What's going on? Lola didn't respond. She wanted the effects of her actions to sink in like a magician allowing her audience to absorb a particularly astounding trick. When something sinks in, particularly something surprising or unpleasant, you gradually start to believe it, understand it, or realize the effect that it will have on you. And that is what is happening to Mario Ruiz de Velasco. The fact that Lola has taken control of the situation by hacking the systems of Texpania and disrupting the supply of electricity is starting to sink in. And on that dramatic note, we come to the end of today's class. As I mentioned, we do offer public speaking workshops. If you are interested in becoming a more effective and confident public speaker, just search www.gratton.es and you will find us. We hope that you will join us for the next episode of The Adventures of Lola Badiola. Only three more to go before we come to the end of book one. Until then, keep bringing English into your life. And remember, in any negotiation or any discussion, always have an ace up your sleeve. <laughs>